What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 39th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchand. It's TIFF Talk 2019. Yes, it is Tuesday, July. What the fuck day is it? Um, The 23rd. And uh, yes, uh, Eric, you just got out of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I did. I'm still Um, coming down on that one. We will talk about that on another show, uh, whether we'll get your impressions on the 40th draft or we'll obviously be doing a review. Oh, 40. Um, But uh, when you were in that theater, the Toronto International Film Festival uh, announced their first wave of galas and special presentations it's a day we've been waiting for for i guess since tiff ended last year it's already here i don't know where time goes but uh yes this whole episode the 39th draft is uh tiff talk 2019 episode one um we'll be doing uh these throughout the summer into the festival and you'll get plenty of them during the festival you'll be sick of us talking about tiff uh hopefully not but uh at some point and, and let's just say um, this right off the bat there there are plenty of other podcasts and journalists that'll be covering tiff but you're getting tiff from the toronto perspective yeah. the local locations <laughs> We got to be one of the, I, I don't know how many podcasts are are covering the festival like specifically on on a podcast but uh, we're going to yeah we'll go through I mean today we can kind of give you an idea of uh You're what, getting the real can what our, experience what our coverage is going to look like uh, and then we definitely will go into uh, the nitty gritty of talking about each and every film that was uh, announced today and letting you guys know that. But uh, although gritty wasn't a part of the announcement this year, no, I wish gritty might show up. You never know. Yeah. Any Philly movies this year? I don't know. We'll talk about it in a sec. Uh, but either way, uh, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each and every week, Eric and I get together and talk about uh, what's going on in our lives, uh, what's going on in the entertainment industry, what we've been watching, uh, what cereals we've been eating. Eric just had sushi for lunch. Um, I had to wait for him while he while he ate, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you like, hey, uh, I brought you a, I, a coffee. I appreciate cold it. brew. I also got us some new M and M's that we might do a tasting on maybe the fortieth draft because it probably makes like more it. sense there. Um, I got us uh, English toffee M and M's okay. and jalapeno peanut m ms Ooh, spicy. So, uh, maybe we'll do a new movie snack uh, tasting there. Um, but if you guys like this nonsense, uh, we do a little bit, uh, we do another podcast that's a little bit more professional called The Untitled Movie Reviews, uh, where each week Eric and I um, review a new release film uh, or an upcoming released film. Uh, it could be in theaters, could be on streaming services, uh, but chances are that uh, if it's coming out that week, we will uh, review it or I will refuse to see it, and we won't review it. Yeah. So, and if I don't review it, Eric probably did at, on Rogers TV, so you can check it out there. Uh, but please go subscribe to that channel. Um, those are about 20, 25 minutes usually. Um, we have reviews up right now for The Lion King and The Farewell. Um, both great conversations about those films. And this week we will have a review for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that will probably be up on release day or soon after. Um, let's get into it, man. So, yeah, TIFF 2019, bud. We're like, yeah, we're almost there. Can you believe it? Really? No, I don't want to. Like, like I, I keep telling you this, we're gonna get to that point where we we just look back and we'll be at TIFF twenty thirty nine and TIFF forty twenty four, and we'll soon be old and possibly dead. Ah, it's my favorite time of the year, and it, it's kind of it's interesting. Last year we launched this podcast in the end of August, right before TIFF. 
Uh, we had some great TIFF coverage last year. We did a preview show, which was one of our first episodes. Yep. Um, and then uh, we did a post-TIFF uh, podcast that was nearly four hours long. It was three hours and 45 minutes, I believe. We did not split it up into parts. We just let people have four hours. Um, this year... Uh, it was like a stream of consciousness. Yeah. This year we're going all out. So if you guys listen to some of our uh, last episodes... Um, we tested out a, uh, a format where we can record the podcast on our uh, iPhones. And I actually thought the quality was quite good. Um, it was pretty easy to sync up. Um, and you can listen to reviews of Crawl and Stuber. And what, what episode as, or draft was it? Well, I think it was last episode, wasn't it? The 37th? Or the draft before. Or no, the before. draft before. Yeah. We did it was a shorter show. Here, I think it was yeah. an hour 45. Yeah. <laughs> the shorter show. Uh, still longer <laughs> than most uh, short movies. Um, so, yeah, we've... we've uh, I don't know how that will sound out in the world when we're kind of like either outside or maybe sitting at a restaurant or something like that, um, or in lineup or something like that, where people will probably interrupt us. Or in or a we'll bathroom stall. God, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> we're just in two different stalls. We got to record this sometime. Um, Battle shits. <laughs> stop. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're going to have a crazy amount of coverage. We're going to try and do daily roundups during the festival, um, which should be... Probably a little bit shorter, probably more around the Untitled Movie Review length, or maybe a little bit longer, depending on what we saw that day, which will probably cover four to six films each day. Um, and then obviously we'll do a, pre, uh, a pre-TIFF preview and a post-TIFF roundup, and um, and then probably individual reviews for certain films here and there. Yeah, so, give you um, all the highlights and the lowlights. That's all. I that's got. it. Just highlights and lowlights. All right. <laughs> Nothing else. Um, so it's all yeah, black and white. Keep it locked here. Uh, starting at the end of August, leading into the first couple weeks of September, this podcast will will probably or really starting now. Yeah, pretty much starting now. But then it, the it'll be slightly different format, kind of like today's episode of Tiff Tiff Talk, and then um, Tiff Talk twenty nineteen. We'll, um, you'll also be getting actually this week you'll be getting uh, a double dose of the Untitled Movie Podcast. We're actually going to also put out the fortieth draft which will kind of go over the regular run of show where we'll talk about uh, trailers, um, uh, staying at home, Comic-Con, uh, Comic-Con mostly in the Marvel stuff. And it, it'll be a jam packed episode as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. You got your jam right here. Eric, you yes. were in once upon a time in Hollywood. I was. So you um, were sitting in a theater when this announcement went out. The I announcement sure went out at 10 a.m. today. Uh, we both have the press. Where were you, Matt? Here. I was at work. In um, the can? No, I was just at my desk doing work, okay. and I was trying to pay attention and do work, but uh, the announcements were very, very exciting. Uh, before we go through, I want to go through every movie, pretty much. Okay. Um, is that cool with you? No. Uh, um, Why am I even... Your here? initial thoughts on the lineup. Um, I, I mean, again, I'm only still <clears throat> digesting what uh, what was sent, and, and I looking at it, it's a pretty uh, robust and eclectic lineup, and there's some surprises there. In terms of um, you know mainstream Hollywood films entering uh, the galas, namely uh, Todd Phillips's Joker, crazy. I, I mean, the jokes on us, or the jokes on the festival, or maybe you know both. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, like, there's a lot of great stuff that I've been hearing about since you know Sundance and Cannes, and and that's well represented as well. Um, and there's some movies that haven't been seen yet you know sight unseen so <clears throat> it's uh it's a really exciting group of films and i hope that we can break them down and give everybody that's listening an idea of what 
we think of the movie or at least a description of it because it, I think always the most interesting stuff is the movies that you kind of find at the festival or discover at the festival. Um, not just stuff that you've already kind of have an idea of what it's like from other uh, film critics or other festivals that have previously played. So that can be um, exciting as well when you find that film that is kind of uh, quietly on the margins as, as of now. I remember when we saw Jackie in uh, the platform section um, and how exciting that was in, in, in at the Scotiabank Theater. And it was kind of a it was kind of a surprise how good that movie was. Yes, I agree with you. And I mean, I, I mean, from a, a, a fairly acclaimed director with a with a huge star, but and we right. So I mean, but that could have gone produced, horribly yeah, wrong, right? I, I agree completely. I was taken aback at how much I love Jackie, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I I completely agree with you. I, I'm kind of blown away with the lineup, and I think on paper, I think it's uh, usually these initial announcements you get like. Again, you were kind of mentioning like a few big splashy kind of Hollywood movies. You get kind of your uh, prestige uh, uh, foreign films and then you get a couple things with uh, some name actors that you're not really sure what those movies are or or, uh, what they're about. Um, This year, I feel like it is absolutely stacked with like both gigantic kind of – not super flashy, but just stuff we're really, really excited for from the Hollywood space. And then even some of the smaller stuff um, sounds super, super interesting. And um, I just couldn't believe the amount of like um, filmmakers they nabbed and films they got. And I just feel like um, these initial lineups, sometimes you're like, oh, we're missing that or oh, damn, they missed out on this. Like they pretty much nailed almost everything I could have wanted them to grab. And, and there's this still is so just, much more That's to what come, I mean. Right? Like, this is just like, of course, these are the galas and special presentations. So these are going to be probably the flashiest movies. And then you'll get uh, your Canadian lineup next week. You'll get the Midnight Madness lineup. You'll get the platform announcement, which usually has um, uh, a, a couple uh, uh, n- known things in there, too. It's uh, a mix, yeah. right? And, it, and it's it's the competition section of the festival next to the People's Your Choice Your master's Awards. program, things yeah, like yeah. that. So like TV. Yeah. So it, it, there's still so much to come, but I, I was blown away with how much we got in this right. initial. How, how many films? It was like 60-plus movies. I don't know the exact number. I have the press release. I don't know if they um Now, a couple other number. things that I wanted to quickly mention about just the press release in general. Like last year... Um, it was just a press release. It, they didn't have a conference. And part of the reason why for last year was because of the Danforth shooting. Um, and it's a one it's the one year anniversary now. So um, in respect for that, they, they didn't uh, decide to do, go along with another uh, conference. And I think it's better, actually, because, I mean, all they're going to do is just show you. Uh, clips and trailers from the films that they have available and field questions to the best of their ability. And um, it kind of feels like it's almost the one thing that's a little redundant. Yeah, I agree. Um, the questions that are usually asked are kind of the same every year. Like, why like, is this the opening night movie? Yeah, or yet? why didn't this movie get invited yet? Yeah. Or, like, things like that. So, um, And I, then also, this is the first year that it, uh, Pierce Handling is, is, is not here. Yes. Uh, so... Um, the yeah, this year is the first year that it's run by both Cameron Bailey and uh, new to TIFF Joanna 
Vincente, I think is how you pronounce her name. I could be butchering that. I apologize. Uh, they are the co-heads of TIFF uh, moving forward. So this is the first festival. They are in complete control. So yeah, Piers is out. He's retired now. He's on a beach somewhere, probably. I have no, actually, I have no idea where He's Piers the beach is. bum. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be around, actually. You'll probably see him uh, around, maybe just enjoying the festival this year. I'm not sure. Um, but yes, yeah, so I have the numbers for you. So 18 galas and 38 special presentations. So that's a over 50 films okay yeah so that's um, that's quite a, a, a selection uh yeah that is quite a chunk of, uh, of movies especially for your first announcement tiff's a chunky boy uh, this year <laughs> thick daddy thick daddy tiff <laughs> thick daddy tiff uh all right you want to get into it and you yeah, want to just yeah, go man. through i don't know you you mentioned some things already like uh joker and um uh i was excited for taika waititi's next film jojo rabbit which we got a, a, a short teaser for today as well oh there's a teaser um, oh I you didn't see I it yet? Seen the teaser, okay no. we'll talk about that on the 40th draft but uh very short like uh 30 seconds it's good it's great right i'm uh, very excited for that um but yeah let's go through it and if there's something we don't know what it's about i have the tiff website up here too and we can kind of pull up a. Uh, uh, a description. Yeah, I mean, uh, you might as well bring that up now. I, I know we're trying to make sure that we uh, we're recording, so we're trying to keep an eye on uh, GarageBand as well. Yeah, uh, behind the scenes stuff, guys. I know. I don't want this to mess up, but let's kick it off. Um, a trailer we got yesterday, actually, for uh, uh, Marielle Heller's "A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood," starring uh, Tom Hanks as he, Mr. Rogers. Yes, and she had a film at the festival last year. Can you ever forgive me? Uh, with Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant, and this is her follow-up, and it's exciting to see. I mean, who better to play the nicest person in the world than the second nicest person in the world, right? Uh, Tom Hanks in the role of Fred Rogers, who um, is being interviewed by a reporter, and it's supposed to be a kind of fluff piece about heroes, and uh, this jaded reporter becomes friends with Mr. Rogers. And what I kind of liked... Um, uh, last year was that Mariel Heller was talking about um, why she went to this project immediately after doing press and finishing Can You Ever Forgive Me? is because she recently had um, a, a child and she wanted to make a movie that was that shows a male figure in a positive light and to have a positive male role model. And she was talking about this on uh, Variety's playback. Uh, last year and she was well underway in production on that film so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what she's able to do with this movie and what I loved about Can You Ever Forgive Me is that it was so detailed in period specific elements of the late 1980s into the early 90s that it felt like you were really getting a sense of you know New York at that point with these kind of writers and characters interacting with one another so I'm really excited to see how she kind of gauges public access television yeah I totally agree and sorry while you were talking I went to grab a different chair because my chair was squeaky and now I'm like on this high pedestal now on these high chairs well now you know what it's like you were always looking down on me so yeah, uh, yeah very excited for this I mean um, to make uh, you cry I thought it will make me cry the trailer did not but the, I bet you the movie will um, and also if you haven't seen Morgan Neville's won't you be my neighbor the documentary from last year i, I highly recommend yeah, I seeing that beforehand it. because there's stuff in this trailer that they've taken right from that movie or, or or mr rogers life um specifically like the swimming stuff like i was like oh they're actually including some of that so it'll fill in some of those details if you want to kind of get some background information that might not be covered in the movie yeah i've heard it's excellent and i do want to see that um i've had it on my like 
queue list on my Apple TV for the longest time. But yeah, I thought the trailer was just delightful. And uh, yeah, I echo your sentiment of Tom Hanks is the perfect person to play Mr. Rogers. Even yeah, though, he doesn't sound or necessarily or look, look like, like yeah, him. Yeah, but I think that's fine. Like, I don't think you need that always in a... in a No. And it's hard to remove Tom Hanks from it. Like, that's what I found in the trailer. Right. It's just like, I felt like I was just... It, but it, the casting is yeah. perfect because Tom Hanks is always looked upon as the nicest person in Hollywood. So, you know, why not have this amazing actor play... You know this child educator, and and again one of the most beloved figures in in you know education and educational television. So yes, so yeah, it's exciting. And sorry, I'm mentioning these are the galas I'm going through yes. first, and then we'll go into special presentations afterwards. Um, so next up, uh, Abominable uh, by Jill Colton, uh, which is the DreamWorks animated film, correct? Yes, and it was originally yes. called Everest. Yes, okay. As the Cineplex pre-show this morning, oh. uh, when I was walking by, said that the original name was Everest. Well, fun fact. There yeah. you go. Thanks, TZ. <laughs> um, uh, thoughts on this? Uh, um, it, I, looks, it looks cute. It looks I, nice. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that an it's animated a, movie is gala. playing in gala. Yeah, I guess it has some big names in it, right? It's got... Uh, you don't know, do no, you? No, I, do, I have no idea. I, I watched the trailer the other day, or I pulled it up. It but. looks visually... Like, it looks like this is the perfect follow-up for DreamWorks after How to Train Your Dragon. And it's not just kind of, like, comical um, sort of farce kind of stuff that some of their movies can kind of fall into that uh, hole. So I'm, I'm excited, actually, for that one as well. And if it's playing at the festival, it kind of shows that they have you know, faith that it'll, it'll, it'll play well to an audience. Totally. Uh, Chloe Bennett, Eddie Izzard, um, Albert Sy. So yeah, I guess it's interesting. It is, uh, well, I mean, I know Eddie Izzard and Chloe Bennett, I think was on like agents of shields. Shields. Yeah. So, all right. Um, yeah, you don't see like a, Animated films at TIFF are always like we got Sing a few years ago. Well, Um, you have two different types of animated movies. You have the studio-driven animated films that usually don't play the festival unless it's like the animation festival or 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 TIFF's uh, next what next wave. Well, next wave is the more teen-focused one. They used to have TIFF Kids, which they don't. TIFF Kids, that's but they don't have that anymore, right. right? But then you have the films that usually do play. Uh, TIFF that are the art house animated movies that are from you know GK uh, GK yeah. films and stuff like that. Thank like you the for the breadwinner, yeah. for example. The that great correction. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm talking like studio animation. Yeah, yeah, films, yeah, yeah. And and I know what you're you're saying, but like, but yeah, like to clarify, like they like when it comes to DreamWorks or Pixar or Disney, they usually opt out of the festival run and decide to go just with the theatrical rollout. And sometimes we get like a short that usually, uh, yeah. Or Pixar used to premiere some of their short. Yeah, films like I remember a few kids. years ago, I covered um, uh, Inner Workings. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, next up, American Woman by Semi Chellas. Now this is an American Woman that played at last year's TIFF with Sienna Miller. That would went under the original name of the Burning Woman. That was uh, directed by Ridley Scott's son, I believe, 
Yeah, uh, you're correct. Jake Scott. Yes, this is by Semi Chellis, and it is. Do you know anything about it? I Canadian know, film. I only know that it played at Tribeca. Okay, that's cool. about it. Um, it's about a political activist. Hong Cho's in it. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, a political activist played by uh, Hong Cho. Uh, helps take care of a group of America's most wanted fugitives, including a well-known recently radicalized Harris um, in this fictionalized reimagining of the Patty Hearst affair. Oh, okay. Is Sarah Gadden in it as well? Uh, Great question. (laughs) Sorry, Tiff doesn't list the entire cast. I'm just reading what's on there. well, I mean that. I mean, if it's a reimagining of of Patty Hearst, that's that's interesting. I wonder how that'll play now because people really don't remember that story and like the brainwashing and her becoming a member of a radical organization, robbing banks and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Um, next up, uh, Blackbird. Blackbird. Now, this is Roger Michelle, right? I'm clicking on it, and it didn't link me to the right page. <laughs> there we go. We're good. This is riveting uh, stuff. So, well, we're learning with you guys, right. okay? We're going ahead with it. I got it now. Follow along. Um, yes, this is by Roger Mitchell. It is about a terminally ill mother, played by Susan Sarandon, uh, invites her family to their country house for one final gathering. But tensions quickly boil over between her two daughters, Kate Winslet and Mia Wasikowska, and Roger Mitchell's uh, director of My Cousin Rachel and the weekend um, remake of the award-winning 2014 Danish film Silent Heart. I haven't seen Silent Heart, um, and Roger Michelle is always a guy that is sorry Michelle. I think I yeah. said Mitchell uh, is always hit or miss. Like I liked uh, his version of um, my cousin uh, Rachel, um, and kind of I kind of have a soft spot for that Rachel McAdams. Um, Harrison Ford movie, uh, Morning Glory. Oh, yeah. Produced um, by J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I, I think his best film, though, is Enduring Love, which is the Ian McEwan uh, adaptation with Daniel Craig and uh, Risa Fons. But okay. then he can make a lot of crap like uh, um, Hudson on High Park. Remember that with, with Bill Murray and Laura Linney? Oh, yeah. Oh, that movie is a nightmare. It's there's, there's a whole... Like, he has, like, this relationship with his cousin, like, this flirtatious relationship with oh, his co- yeah sexy fdr yeah well, that's gross <laughs> yeah i know uh, although it's not dissimilar to now right trump with ivanka all right that's enough <laughs> we're moving on me getting a little political uh, jab in there uh next up clemency directed by i'm gonna butcher this i apologize in advance chionye chukwu i might have gotten that okay who knows uh a death row prison warded uh played by alfrey woodard uh, grapples with the psychological fallout of her job following years of executions in um, Chukwu's Sundance Grand Jury Prize-winning drama. Yes, so Neon picked this up back at Sundance, and when I read the synopsis for this, it almost sounded like it was a, um, a fictional version. Remember the Werner Herzog movie from a few years ago, Into the Abyss, where he kind of looked at death row inmates yeah. and the people that sort of... Uh, actually have go, to go through with it and have people. to execute them and like the yeah. guards and 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 the warden and stuff like that and that's what it kind of reminded me of but apparently it's more sort of a character study and and alfred woodard is supposedly in the uh award season conversation with this movie I'm, I'm curious about it it's one of those movies that i think you're gonna have to you know really program around it and make sure like you are ready to sort of dig into such dark depressing yeah. material but i think with her in the lead and just sort of exploring 
um, you know, the death penalty itself. I, I think it's going to be a rich drama that might have people turning away, unfortunately, because they're not wanting to, you know, Deal see that at a heavy, festival, yeah, yeah. right? I get that. Um, but it, I, I'm excited for it, so. I'll, I'll probably check it out. Uh, I mean, it's too early to tell. Like, I mean, we should go into almost a uh, a planning or schedule podcast to show people how we go through that process. Too, Can't give away all the secrets, man. It's crazy. Uh, shout out to Tiffer, though. Yeah. yeah. We'll go more into Tiffer at some point, but... Um, next up, uh, James Mangold's Ford V Ferrari. Um, uh, the trailer's out now. Yeah. You can see it online. It looks like it's going to be a big splashy, uh, studio film with Starring uh, Matt Damon and Christian, Christian Bale, Bale, your dad, <laughs> you uh, keep Tracy Letts. Yeah. Yeah. My late Tracy Letts and Lady Bird is my, is yeah. my dad. Um, Dorito. It, it looks like it's going to be a fun movie. They also are potentially going to be pushing that as an awards film as well. So something like TIFF is, is the perfect place for a movie such as that because that'll gauge the response moving into the fall season and seeing if it really is uh, a crowd pleaser on top of being an awards player. Yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, um, remember how surprised we were with Ron Howard's uh, uh, Rush? Rush, right. Um, not the, uh, obviously the same, but um, this is about the story of um, Ford uh, challenging um, Ferrari in the Le Mans 24-hour race. Yeah. Um, and and uh, uh, Shelby, who is the inventor of the Shelby uh, Cobra. Um, played by Mustang, Damon. Played by Damon. Uh, the trailer's really... Um, uh, really uh what i'm what i don't i'm losing my words here but I, I i'm really excited for this i mean mangold coming off of he hasn't made anything since logan right no but he um, has momentum right now and yeah. it feels like he is really putting uh good use towards his you know his next feature and also working with christian bale again after uh 310 to yuma so it'll be exciting to see how that goes and i and i do feel like it is going to be one of those like really fun um sort of adventurous kind of movies at TIFF that will maybe help break up some of the more darker dramatic stuff. Like it's a nice, not that I'm saying it's a fluff piece. Cause I'm no, sure that's was the word that I was trying to like find there. Like, I don't know what exactly I'm trying to say, but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Like it seems like it's going to be a good time at, uh, at a screening. Like if you watch that on uh, the IMAX screen, like that, oh, yeah, be that'll a lot be, of, like that'll the sound be mm -hmm. agreed. Um, next up, uh, Cassie Lemon's Harriet. Yes. Uh, so we just got a trailer yeah. for this this morning as well. Um, this is based on, uh, Harriet Tubman. I wasn't the biggest fan of the trailer. I felt it kind of looked too actiony, like it almost like it the, did, right? Even the poster too. Yeah, I like, kind of like the poster though. The poster okay. is is cool with Cynthia Revo, you know, holding the gun. But like, it kind of almost looks like, yeah, like an action movie, and it's really not about that it's about a abolitionist and and yeah. you know freeing uh these slaves and you're and you're like totally it just yeah. feels weird i agree i i didn't uh watch all of the trailer i, I planned on watching it before uh like right after this before we do yeah and, and, and cassie trailers. lemons has done some really solid smaller movies in the past uh she directed um eve's bayou which was one of uh roger ebert's favorite movies of uh, the '90s, and then Caveman Valent Caveman's Valentine with Samuel Jackson. He was in *Eve's Bayou* as well. Um, so it's been a while since she's since she's directed anything. Yeah. So um, so I'm curious, but yeah, it, it kind of it it we I mean 
I know they're both focus films, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Mary Queen of Scots, like in terms of like that, like we're we're taking you know historical context, but we're going to turn it into a more accessible movie for the younger people. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, Lorraine Scafaria's Hustlers, starring Jennifer Lopez and Cardi B. And uh, Constance Wu, Constance Wu, the girl from uh, the Archie show, <laughs> uh, Lily Lee uh, Reinhardt, Reinhardt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lizzo, I think, is in it yeah. as well. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised. I this, I'm surprised. This is, I'm this not is the definition of, yeah. a, of the star caliber film that is going to open during the festival because it's opening what the, the second, next friday the, the next think, friday yeah but which because, they do a lot yeah. so it's not totally surprising that this no. they're using this as a launch pad but. and i guess some people will find it surprising because it's a it's basically you know uh uh strip for the rich and, and give to the poor kind of movie right mm-hmm. um the trailer's out there now but it looks fun. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it could be fun. The one thing I am worried about with that movie, though, is that they literally just finished production. They shot over the last couple of months. This is one of the fastest productions of 2019. Probably didn't need much, post, much post-production. Just throw it in. Yeah. <laughs> edit it together, and you're done. Well, I mean, you're, you're finding that's very common now, where like people will be editing on While, set if, yeah. they're, if it's digital, right? Like They'll just be uploading it to the their... The editor will be on set. Yeah. Fucking plug in the hard drive and start editing, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, those movies that come out during the festival, I mean, a lot of people complain about that, but I mean, I guess it gets the studio, like, not a free premiere, but, like, they don't actually kind of have to host their own, like, sometimes they do. They'll go and have the TIFF premiere and then go do a premiere in New York or LA or something like right. that. But Or even a regular press screening, because they'll just try to get the, the, the press to attend those screenings instead. Because mm-hmm. I remember that with um, Mother, where... Yeah. Paramount just decided, no, we're not going to have a regular press screening. We're just going to screen it for you there. Yeah, Yeah. and and a lot of those movies that open in those two weeks, they 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 might as well because they're saving money. So yeah, why not? Um, It's a difficult sell, I think. Like when you're purchasing tickets, like I would never suggest anyone to probably no. um, I mean, unless unless you are a a huge J Lo fan (laughs) or a member of the press, and you just want to get the work yeah, done right like it's good for press because they can just get the review out of the way yeah but that's the one percent of us that are right. right like i'm talking about the people who are just interested in going to tiff i'm like oh yeah yeah mm. unless you are a fan of and you want to go to the premiere or something because right. they'll all be there uh next up in gala presentations todd phillips joker <laughs> love that joker that's wild man like we, you kind of teased it at the beginning of the show and it's something we dedicated I about it <laughs> we did a whole ep- well not a whole episode but it was the highlight of an episode um it's even a thumbnail a couple and i even put the tiff logo on there and stuff um and we were like, ah, I can't see it happening. Like, if it goes anywhere, maybe Venice. And it looks like it will play Venice because it's a North American premiere. Right. Um, yeah, man. I, I, this is this is wild to me. You brought up right before we started recording of being like, is this the first comic book movie to play TIFF? And I that's got to be right. We're not counting something like A History of Violence, which is a graphic novel. Or American Splendor yeah. or Ghost World. Yeah, we're saying like a comic book movie, DC like a comic Marvel. book franchise yeah. almost. Yeah. Like this movie takes place in Gotham City and it's about a Joker. Yeah, I don't not... see Shazam playing at any film festival. Yeah, I you know. I mean, we've seen things like Logan played Berlin, correct? Right. And like 
obviously things have gone to can usually it's if they open within a, a, a week or two of the festival like, yeah but this is a movie that's opening in early october. early october and it doesn't need the a festival push no the only if it's good then right. i could see that like but what it's saying is that they want this movie to be taken seriously as an movie. awards yeah. film especially for joaquin who i mean since the trailer debuted everybody has been talking about as a potential best actor contender so um yeah this is crazy a them huge... submitting it and and playing the festival legitimizes that um that push yeah i agree um a huge get, I think, like from a uh, from a mainstream perspective, right? Like right. just the headlines that you can have on Variety and Hollywood Reporter and different sites of being like, like Joker is playing the Toronto International Film Festival. I mean, that might get some eyes on the fest to people that wouldn't necessarily care otherwise, if that right. makes sense. Like comic um, book fans. That's that what might, I mean, right? Yeah. And then so that, I mean, I think that's always a good thing. Like some people would be like a movie like Joker doesn't need this kind of like spotlight other than for the reason you're you're talking about but for me anything that brings more eyes to it and goes oh shit okay what are some of these other movies that are playing and like maybe someone comes to toronto just because they really want to see joker a month early but then they end up seeing a bunch of other stuff right like you see they, hustlers yeah <laughs> they buy a package and see a bunch so i i'm super excited for this uh makes sense that it's playing in in gala it'll uh it'll be a huge huge premiere during the festival and I'm sure we'll get reactions out of Venice uh, about a week before. They always kind of uh, steal the spotlight right uh, right before TIFF starts. Um, uh, but it, and Telluride I, as well, right? Cause... But it's a North American premiere, though. Meaning it no, but I mean play... like Telluride with yeah, other films. But I don't think Joker will play Telluride right. now cause, because of... Uh, Love that Joker. Uh, very excited for that. Even though it's only like a month early, it's just... Uh, it's still wild. We're living in a world where Joker is playing. Yeah, and to... and again, like I, I think the biggest question mark with this movie will be Todd Phillips. But I mean, yeah. if, it's ex- if it's executive produced by Martin Scorsese, and... it's supposed to be a Taxi Driver remake, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm curious to see what this will be because it can't be as bad as the majority of uh, the DC adaptations so we, far. We can only hope, though, right? Um, that it won't be that bad. I hope not, because <laughs> um... like. Suicide Squad and if they're putting it in a festival like this a month before it comes out, there's no way that they think it's gonna get awful reviews. Like yeah, that doesn't take make that sense. That Zack Snyder fans. I mean, there are certain things that have played festivals that yeah have been absolutely shit panned. But Could like, you imagine the Justice League Zack Snyder cut plays the festival. <laughs> don't joke. Um, er. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, I mean, sticking to the uh, comic book kind of tie-in. Um, Destin Daniel Cretton's Just Mercy is playing in the TIFF Gala. And so, this is Michael B. Jordan and Brie Larson and Jamie Foxx. That is correct. And uh, do you know exactly what it's about? I don't know too much about this one. Um, I think it's about a lawyer who's played by Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. But that's about here, it. Here, I got this. Uh, the pitch here. Uh, a civil rights defense attorney, played by Michael B. Jordan, uh, fights to free a wrongfully convicted death row inmate played by Jamie Foxx in this true life courtroom drama from Destin Daniel Cretton, who you guys would know from short term 12 and the glass castle. And uh, more recently we saw him uh, this past Saturday at the Marvel studios hall H panel, where he was uh, announced as the director of uh, Shang Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. 
so there is also another Marvel Studios connection coming up, but I thought that was interesting. There's two directors from Phase 4 that have movies at the festival, and we'll get to the other ones right. soon. And um, so this is, this is a limited release at the end of the year that will expand in January. And again, this is an awards baity kind of movie, and I could really see them pushing Michael B. Jordan specifically. And I felt that he got Brie Larson's best performance in uh, Out of Her Out of, in Short Term 12, even more so than Room, which he won the Oscar for. Yeah, I love Short Term 12. Uh, Glass Castle I didn't end up seeing okay. because I heard that. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's, it's not great, but it has its moments. Okay. Woody Harrelson um, with a weird wig. Right, I do remember that. It's not that. Carnage weird, but it's still... And it came out like right before TIFF, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, like it was a late ago? August release, and a lot of people were thinking, like, because it, it popped up so quickly that it was going to play the festivals, and, and yeah. it just was like, no, we're going to dump it in, in, in August. And no one paid any attention no. to it. Um, but it's fine. It's not Short Term 12 by any means. Uh, yeah, Short Term 12 is fantastic and I, I would like to revisit it uh i haven't watched it since it came out it has a couple academy award winners rami malik and uh, brie larson right right you're you're absolutely correct um next up uh the tiff opening night film uh once we were brothers robbie robertson and the band um this was announced last week I, we didn't cover it did we? No, the, we didn't. Uh, no, we saved it for this episode. So they Tiff put out a press release last Thursday. Yeah, and it was the same um, day that Venice announced that uh, Coriata's The Truth would be the opening film of that festival. Yes. Uh, so directed by Daniel Roher, 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 um, who directed Ghosts of Our Forest, and it's uh, executive produced by. Martin Scorsese, Brian Grazer, and Ron Howard, and follows it. It's a documentary yeah. that follows. Well, the Scorsese thing specifically is makes sense because he directed The Last Waltz, and also um, Robbie Robertson has been a music consultant on all of Scors or most of Scorsese's films since then. So, um, you know, having him as a part of the production um, is a way of you know again legitimizing and and adding a signature of approval yeah uh your thoughts on it being opening night i mean i i'm i'm curious about it but it's not a movie that i would have guessed would have been the opening night movie of tiff initially i think that they're kind of saying hey we've got a pretty stacked festival all around that we don't necessarily have to you know throw a a big name title yeah it'll get the the press either way yeah 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 and like this is a way of representing canada that isn't score a hockey musical oh god (laughs) (laughs) that was one of my i went to the opening night party of that i don't know if i've ever told the story i won tickets from one of the producers and you were the only Um, one there i didn't go to the movie we skipped the movie And just went to the party. And that's when Tiff used to do the opening night parties at the Liberty Grand at Exhibition Place or Ontario Place or whatever. Yeah. Which is this giant um, kind of event space. And it's absolutely massive. It's like a fucking mansion. And um, this is when they used to go all out for their opening night parties. And they were themed. And they were like vodka shots and an ice hockey table and things like that and uh that's where they uh, spent the whole i budget. met dion Phaneuf that night and then saw him again the next which who was the captain of the toronto maple leafs sorry i guess i should say that because some people wouldn't know um he was the captain of the toronto maple leafs at the time and married to alicia cuthbert um and uh 
saw him, met him that night briefly. And then he, uh, then I saw him at a Chipotle the next day and he had lunch with me, which was very weird. Um, anyways, yeah, they haven't done a Canadian, Canadian opening night film in a very long time. And yeah, I mean, I guess you could maybe count some CanCon with with like demolition because of Jean-Marc Vallée, but right. But still a Hollywood film, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I was the last one score. No. 2009 was score, I believe. No, there's got to be one after that. Looper was in 2014. 11 or 12. 12, 12, 11. Really? That long Yeah, because it was the same year as The Master. Oh, my goodness. Um, anyways, uh, and the first Canadian documentary to open the festival. Yes. Um, so, yeah. I, Take I, that, I, hot docs. Uh, I was... Um, initially kind of like uh really underwhelmed underwhelmed, but then the more i thought about it i i kind of agree with you in the sense of being like you know what these bigger movies probably don't need that platform to kind of be the opening night film and in recent years it hasn't really worked out (laughs) like uh last year with outlaw king right and yeah they don't uh, need to show off they've got yeah they've i mean from today's announcement they have such a great list of films programmed and ready to go that it feels like okay yeah why not you know give it to a smaller movie that might be forgotten by the end of the festival but maybe this will give it a little bit more of a a platform for international film critics and and locals alike to really get behind it and 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 watch it and review the movie and and like you're saying like you know joker doesn't need to be the opening night movie. Like no. you don't need that necessarily. Like it's nice when when you first hear it as a press release and it's like, oh yeah, the opening film is such and such. But I feel like again, they have such a a, a great group of films that it's like, well, that's what we're gonna show through the whole festival. It's not just gonna be, you know, we're gonna have one great night or one great moment. It's gonna be spread out. Yeah, you don't wanna blow your load too early. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that in a <laughs> Right. Never mind. So uh, gross, Matt. Next one is um, Ordinary Love, directed by Lisa Barros de Sa and Glenn Laburn. Know anything about this? So this is with Liam Neeson and Leslie Manville, and it was originally called Normal People. Um, I think Bleecker Street picked it up in the U.S., and it's supposed to be kind of like a small, charming uh, love story between uh, a senior couple. Yes, that uh, one of them uh, has a potentially life-changing cancer diag- uh, diagnos- diagnosis. Diagnosis, I can't read. Um, and it's uh, scripted by uh, Northern Irish playwright Owen McCafferty. Um, cool. Cool beans. Don't have uh, much more to say. Liam Neeson will not be fighting people in this movie or hopefully not <laughs> saying something really stupid and, <laughs> and racist. Oh, my God. You know what? I hate people with cancer. <laughs> it's like, Liam, no! His publicist is just like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, the Closing Night film is next, which is Radioactive, directed by uh, Mar- Marjane? Margin? Margarine? Uh, Marjane Satrapi. So she directed uh, Persepolis. Do you know how to pronounce her name or no? No. Okay. Cool. I, I just wanted you to <laughs> butcher it. Butcher it. <laughs> uh, Persepolis and uh, The Voices with uh, Ryan Reynolds a few years ago. Uh, yes. And this is an adaptation of the Imagine Dragons song, correct? N- uh, yeah. If the Imagine Dragons found uh, nuclear radiation uh-huh. and then died horribly and slowly. 1,000%. <laughs> right. 
yes, this is Roseman based, Pike. Yeah, based yeah. on the novel, uh, based on Lauren Redness's award-winning graphic novel, uh, Marjane uh, Satrapi's uh, uh, biopic stars Rose. Biopic. I know, I know. That was intentional. I know. I just you don't correct sure. any of the things I actually get wrong. Just the thing that I'm doing intentionally. Um, Rosamund Pike is two-time Nobel Prize winning scientist uh, Mary Curry, highlighting the groundbreaking discovery she made with her husband, Pierre, Yep, played by Sam Riley. And they both died horribly. Great. Spoilers. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, what is next? Sorry, I'm scrolling. So that's an here. Amazon movie as is well. Is it? Yeah. Cool. Uh, cool. And I believe Anya Taylor-Joy plays her daughter in the movie. Oh, okay. I like her. Um, next up, John Crawley's The Goldfinch, uh, another movie that's coming out, I think, the week of the festival. Yes. Uh, trailers out, um, it's about a young boy, or sorry, <laughs> a young boy's life is forever altered following a terrorist attack at an art museum in John Crawley, who directed Brooklyn, uh, his adaptation of Donna Ter- uh, Tartt's Pulitzer Prize winning novel. It stars Nicole Kidman, Ansel Elgort, Luke Wilson, Sarah Paulson, and Jeffrey Wright, uh, shot by Roger Deakins. Hell yeah, dog. Um, I will probably see this at the festival specifically for that reason. For the Deakmeister um, General? And proper masking. If I can, Well, that's the thing. I only get 10 public tickets this year. So I got to choose gotta them wisely. Got to choose them wisely. Um, so once we talk ben about... Wolfhard's in it too, right? Is he? He plays like a younger version of one of the characters. Oh, I thought that wasn't Finn Wolfhard. It was that kid who changed his name I'm gonna look after at, I'm gonna... it. Look Wasn't it right now? What's the kid's name from uh, it? That Jaden Mattel. Was it that kid? Yeah, because the Book of Henry. He's gone into witness protection. Uh, right. We're looking this up right now. <laughs> witness protection after Book of Henry. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he is Finn Wolfhard. Uh, he is. Okay, yep. cool. It's interesting that they didn't list him. He's playing uh, a young version of somebody. Um, I think this. Looks pretty decent. I, I dug the trailer. I mean, yeah, I mean, it um, could go either way. Yeah. It could be one of those really great looking, boring literary adaptations. And especially when, like, you know, this was pop, this book was popular a couple years ago, and it was kind of like one of those airplane novels where you pick it up and you read it during a, a flight somewhere, and it became popular amongst, you know, book groups and stuff like that. So, you know, the, the, the book of the month kind of movie can always be hit or miss depending on the director and John Crowley is seems more of a traditional kind of filmmaker and and not that there's anything wrong with that but I'm just saying like you're probably going to get a very straightforward uh prestigious adaptation that isn't going to have any flourishes of uh you know of a filmmaker that might bring something more to it than just what's on uh, written on the page right yeah um but Roger Deakins man yeah I mean it's it'll look great but again, look at look at uh, Unbroken. Unbroken looked pretty good, and it was boring. Yeah, or what's that one he shot on digital with Justin Timberlake? In time. Uh, oh, I was gonna say about time. Andrew Nichols in yeah. time. Yes, yes. Uh, next up, uh, Shanali Bose's "The Sky Is Pink." Uh, here is the pitch. A recently deceased teenage daughter narrates her parents' poignant, affecting, and inspiring romance in this unexpectedly humorous love story from Shanale Bose, inspired by the life of late Indian author and motivational speaker um, Aisha Chaudhry, I believe so. Uh, Cool. Don't know much about it. I don't know either. 
Um, but that's interesting. Interesting concept. My God, every time I hit back, it moves it to the top of the page. So I have to scroll, scroll down, down to where I was. Um, I'm on my phone, guys. Sorry. Uh, the next one Don't is apologize to them. Uh, Francois Girard's The Song of Names, which is a Canadian film. So this is from the director of The Red Violin, right? Uh, yes, I believe and so. And Silk? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, wait, I don't know. Um, you up. would know more than me, but, uh, Tim Roth and Clive Owen star in Francois Girard's. He directed Hochelada and Land of Souls. Do you know those movies? I'm looking him up. Okay. <laughs> uh, in his latest sweeping historical drama about a man searching for his childhood best friend, a Polish violin prodigy orphaned in the Holocaust who vanished decades before, on the night of his first public performance. That sounds pretty cool, actually. I like Tim Roth. I like Clive Owen. Uh, yeah, it is the director of The Red Violin and 32 short films about Glenn Gould, which is great. Oh, yeah? Cool. Excited for this? Yeah, I'll give it a go. It sounds, again, like it could fall into that kind of awards baity territory. I mean, I don't mind that if the movie is good, but I don't... Like, when you hear that pitch or that write-up, it almost does sound like, guys... This could be an Oscar film. Right. Um, next up, uh, Justin Kurzel's uh, True History of the Kelly Gang. Um, here's the pitch. A fictionalized retelling of the life and crimes of infamous 19th century Australian outlaw Ned Kelly, based on Peter Carey's Brooker Prize winning novel starring Russell Crowe and Nicholas Holt. Will he be fighting people around the world or just in Australia? I don't know. I'm Justin Kurzel. I really like him. Yeah, but Assassin's he, Creed. Yeah, yeah. And he did Macbeth before that with yeah. Fassbender, Michael Fassbender, and Marion Cotillard. And he did another movie that played TIFF um, a few years ago now called Snowtown, and then it was retitled The Snowtown Murders. Right, which was about an Australian serial killer. And that movie's pretty good. Wasn't it, it is. It yeah. is very good. It's very atmospheric. Very creepy, unsettling. And then he has another movie that he's been working on for a while called Ruin, um, which I think is still slated to go into production at some point, which is about a German uh, SS officer who goes to help a, a Jewish woman after World War II is finished to redeem himself. Okay, cool. Um, so this was shot... Not too long ago, and I remember Russell Crowe tweeting some stuff about it and saying like, "Oh, this is really fun," and I think he has like a huge beard for it. Sick. <laughs> um, yeah, he he needs a rebound after Assassin's Creed, that's for sure. Yes. Um, man, what a slog that movie was. But no, either way, um, I hope he rebounds, and and that's that's cool to see him uh, come back to TIFF. Uh, and then finally, the last gala uh, film we'll be talking about is Western Stars by. Tom Zimmy and Bruce Springsteen. So this is, is this a concert film based on his newest album? Uh, the incomparable Bruce Springsteen performs his critically acclaimed latest album and muses on life, rock, and the American dream in this intimate and personal concert film co-directed by Tom Zimney and Springsteen himself. So yes, you are correct. Cool. A Springsteen I, concert movie. I know somebody that will be looking forward to that. Shout out to Judy Kahlo. Um, my producer at rogers yes that's i guess yeah no one would know who judy is shout out to judy though she's amazing and hopefully we can get her some tickets to that movie uh all right dude so that was 18 galas now we have 38 special presentations are you ready to do it we're already 50 minutes into the show 
Um, maybe some of these we won't like super go into unless we really kind of want to talk about okay, them. Well, or what do you want to do? Just do it, man. Let's just fucking just do, do, it. do it. Let's go. Uh, first up, we have Tiago uh, Gettys uh, Herdade. I have not heard of it. Uh, Portuguese filmmaker Tiago Guedes, I'm going to, I'm probably butchering that. I apologize. Looks at the political, economical, and social history of Portugal from the vantage point of a family line of wealthy homesteaders, uh, on a, a Tagus river estate. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I much. mean, again, like the, we, we don't know too much about that. We apologize if we come off as ignorant, but like it's, this we'll is have one to do those... more. Re- we're actually yeah. like learning with you guys and kind of some of these movies finding out about for the first time with you. And, and I'm going by the pitch that's on the TIFF website, which doesn't always have like the actors that are in it and things like that too. So, um, but sounds cool. Um, next up, uh, Corey Finley's bad education. So this is from the director of thoroughbreds, his follow up with Hugh Jackman, uh, Ray Romano, um, who is the kid from uh, American Vandal? Which one? Jimmy uh... Tatro? Yeah, he's in it as <laughs> is well. Is he? Yeah. Nice. Um, cool. I thought, I, I like, I mean, Thoroughbreds, I, I, I dug. I dug the style of Thoroughbreds. Right. So um, I wasn't in love with all of it, but um, I can get behind his next film. I didn't even realize that this was from him. So that's yeah. really cool. So yeah, Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, and Ray Romano star in this fact-based dramedy directed by Corey Finley about an infamous school larceny scandal that rocked Long Island in the early aughts. Early aughts. It's 2000s. Yep. Is that what they're calling them? I don't know. 2000 period pieces. Oh my God. That's really- Lady Bird has just yeah. opened that door <laughs> and now it won't be closed. Oh boy. Um, Next up. Uh, See now, I don't know if I'm saying this right now, but Wayne Wong, because yeah. it is, yeah, yeah, because it's just like, uh, uh, anyways, sorry. Uh, coming home again. Uh, a Korean American man cares for his ailing mother while trying to master her traditional cooking, and the latest from Wayne Wong, uh, who directed the Joy Luck Club, uh, based on Chang Ray Lee's New York's New Yorker short story. Did you know much about it or no? No. First time hearing about it. I know Wayne Wong and the Joy Luck Club. Yeah, people uh, love the Joy Luck Club, right? He directed a movie with Natalie Portman and Susan Sarandon in 99, Anywhere But Here. Okay, cool. Uh, Next up, Craig Brewer's Dolomite Is My Name. Um, Eddie Murphy leads this hugely uh, entertaining biopic uh, from Craig Brewer, uh, who directed Hustle and Flow and the Footloose remake. And Black Snake Mode. (laughs) I know. with his hilarious and finely honed turn as comedian Rudy Ray Moore, uh, who became a legend in, in midlife with his outlandish 1970s blaxploitation character Dolomite. Yeah. I always remember there were Dolomite parodies on Mad TV. Oh, yeah? And um, I believe it was uh, Ari Spears who uh, did the, uh, the impression. Okay, I don't remember that. I, I watched a little bit of Mad TV. It was like the early, earlier episodes. Because I know that like Key and Peel would do the um, you know uh, Blackula and 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 Black Frankenstein and stuff like that. Right, 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 right. Are you excited for this? Yeah, I'm curious, especially Eddie Murphy. Like, yeah. Well, it 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 seems like they're pitching it as a comeback for him a little bit as well. But um, on top of that, I'm interested to see what Craig Brewer will do with 
the cinematography and the visuals of the film and even the editing like will it kind of play into the black exploitation sort of genre which was you know very rough around the edges and um you know you kind of appreciated it or found charm in you know the filmmaking but at the same time it was kind of amateurish and that's you know the whole point of it because that was what you know they were shooting these kind of movies on the fly and the thing that made those movies work were the big personalities that were sort of the center of those films yeah um excited for it man um and this is a netflix movie too right i believe you are correct yes um next up uh you mentioned jackie earlier on the show uh pablo lorraine's emma uh will be playing in special uh presentations so after a terrible accident After a terrible accident fractures her family and her marriage, a woman sets out on a risky quest to reset her life in this incendiary drama about art, desire, and family from Chilean director Pablo Lorraine, who directed Jackie and Neruda. Uh, I did not care for Neruda. No? Uh, But the poet, I kind of found it boring. But I really liked his movie before that, which was very unsettling and disturbing, The Club which is about a group of priests, child molesters who are right. priests that are... Played the same one. year as Jackie? Or uh, no? Jackie and Neruda did. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. That, you were correct. Um, next up, uh, Endings Beginnings by Drake Dormus. Uh, I do not like him yeah, as a filmmaker. Yeah, I know. I'm... Like crazy and... I'm hit or miss on him. I... Uh, Equals. Equals is bad. Oh, I saw boy. that. We both saw that at the festival. We sure right? did. Yeah, and they keep inviting him back though. So um, who knows? Because um, he had one that even played on um, that played at Tribeca a couple years ago, and then like Amazon Prime just dumped it on because it was originally an Amazon movie. Just dumped it on on their streaming service without which any Zoe, fanfare with Ewan yeah. McGregor and uh, I think it was like Leah Sadu. Yeah. And with no fanfare, right? Yeah. Like they just literally dumped it on there. So uh, this one is about an idealistic woman played by Shailene Woodley attempts to get her life on track financially and romantically, but gets caught in a love triangle with a free spirited bad boy played by Sebastian Stan and his more stable scholarly best friend, Jamie Dornan in this tender exploration of love and heartbreak from, Drake Dormus. Wow, two of the most charismatic um, leading men known today in cinema. Sebastian Stan and Jamie Dornan. Uh, <laughs> is Dornan the guy from uh, Fifty Shades? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like Sebastian Stan, but as Winter Soldier, I it's don't okay. really. Uh, I can't take him seriously with that long hair. No, I, he does need to cut that hair. Yeah, I, I agree. Cut that hair, you hippie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like the image of Shailene Woodley playing at a pinball machine. It's cool. But... I, I have no idea what to think of that movie. Um, again, I, I remember liking Like Crazy uh, at the festival. Uh, but do you really miss it, Like no, Crazy? No, I haven't had any desire to watch it again. Yeah. And Equals is just so bad. Um, next up, uh, Ira Sachs' uh, Frankie, uh, starring Isabel Huppert and uh, Marissa Tomei. And Brendan Gleeson. Um, and Brendan Gleeson and uh, Greg Kinnear. Uh, so an aging actor, played by Isabel Huppert, summons her idiosyncratic extended family on a fateful holiday in Iris Sachs' thoughtful dramedy, co- uh, co-starring everyone I just mentioned. Right. So this is from the director who did uh, Love is Strange with John Lithgow, Alfred Molina, and Marissa Tomei. Um, and he is a filmmaker, and Little Men as well, um, is a filmmaker that takes kind of the, the mundane sort of 
everyday life um, events that you might not find um, important and makes them important. Um, I know this played at Cannes and, and Sony Pictures Classics picked it up. and Mixed Mongo reviews. Media. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of people were disappointed that it was in a Frankie Goes to Hollywood biopic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could have only hoped for that. Uh, I don't really have much interest. I don't either. I mean, I, I will I will check it out at some point, whether it is at the festival or... or screener at the end of the year. Yeah. And, and, and again, like, these are the kind of movies where, like, you know, if you're, if you're press and you have some time to fill that you're looking for something and it's one of the options there, it might be worth checking out because it seems like it's going to be, again, lighter fare. And maybe that's not a bad thing to sort of break up some of the more darker stuff. Fair. Um, next up, Michael Winterbottom's Greed. Uh, festival favorite Michael Winterbottom skewers the fast fashion industry in this scathing farce about a retail billionaire played by Steve Coogan, whose lavish birthday plans are thrown into disarray by a nearby refugee camp. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and this photo of, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I've showed Eric the photo of, uh, a Steve Coogan, uh, okay. Great teeth. Uh, yeah. he always has a movie at the festival. I mean, last year it was the wedding guest with Dev Patel. Um, I mean, he's worked with Coogan many times now with the trip movies, obviously, and Tristram Shandy. So, um, I'm I'm curious, but you never know what you're gonna get with him. Like he's he's basically the Steven Soderbergh of uh, European cinema, where he's very experimental, and it's always kind of based on you know the strength of the script that he's working with, and also sort of how quick the production's put together. Like if he takes his time, then it can be it's usually better than the kind of the rush stuff because the rush stuff you can tell he's having more fun experimenting with sort of um his his craft instead of actually making a movie that has anything to say or anything that is really captivating than just being an exercise quote unquote right yeah this sounds funny <laughs> like darkly darkly funny obviously yeah. satirical but um and i like the coogs meister i i like steve coogan and his fucking fake horse teeth that he has in this um next up uh a guy we usually see in the industry line, <laughs> Tiff, uh, Adam McGoyan's uh, guest of honor uh, is playing. With David Thewlis? Yes. So a father, David Thewlis, and daughter, uh, Laisla de Oliveira, uh, attempt to work through their complicated relationship, secret histories, and personal demons in Adam McGoyan's latest exploration of unresolved personal trauma and its unintended consequences. Well, I always hope for the best for that guy because I really do think he is a, a great filmmaker, a sweet hereafter, Felicia's Journey, um, Exotica, things like that. However, the last four or five movies he has made since Chloe or Chloe, Chloe's Chloe not a I great movie like. either, but it isn't a great movie either. Like but a trashy, it's a, it's a guilty like, pleasure. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the definition of a guilty pleasure movie. And I mean, so everything also, after that, right? yeah, and it's also a remake of uh, Natalie, which already right. is basically the same film. But I mean, he's having fun with it. Um, yeah, so you look at movies like uh, The Devil's Knot oh, and Remember man. and Devil's uh, Knot's The awful. Captive with Ryan Reynolds. Right, yeah. All those movies are dreadful. And 
he but, has fallen far from grace. But he always gets invited because of his history, right? Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, he's a two-time Academy Award-nominated filmmaker who basically, like, you know, next to the Adam Agoyans and Bruce McDonald's of the world, helped really um, emphasize Canadian cinema and, and, and brought that to a forefront in the late 80s into the 90s. So, again, like, he's 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 a very nice guy. I've met him a couple times and, and talked to him about movies and and what have you. Um, so I, I hope maybe this is a return to form for him. Yeah, same. Again, yeah, I haven't enjoyed anything since Chloe, and even Chloe's just kind of trashy fun. But, um, yeah, I, I hope he bounces back. And what I was referencing is that um, he's one of the guys we see at TIFF every year, I feel like. Yeah. and um, the He's one, always asking, like, yeah. the, the, the person he's at like, the He's like, why can't like, I get tickets for this? And they're like... <laughs> What's this movie? Yeah, because he always has his, like, he probably gets a badge from TIFF every year, um, whether he's a guest or, or probably just someone, alumni or something like that. But... Uh, it just, I almost was like, man, I could put your schedule together for you, man. Just hit me up because like, I love the guys who just are like, well, I have this badge. I might as well go see some stuff. And then they they go into the, or not the, the ticket office for press and industry. And he's just like, wait, what? (laughs) I just remember him being so confused at what he could actually get tickets for but i think it all worked out for him but yeah but he'll probably be a little bit more busy this year since he has a film at the festival those are usually the years where he doesn't have something and he's just there uh to watch although if the movie is a bomb like brian de palma's passion was maybe he'll take more time to be grumpy and walk around the scotia bank the way that de palma did yeah that was funny uh next up uh sebastian barenzitin's uh heroic losers Anything? I, I don't no know idea what this it. is. Sorry, the link didn't work. Uh, oh no! I'm clicking on the wrong thing sometimes. Oh, motherfucker! Look, Lakata. Sorry, guys, stand by. I'm trying to find the link. Heroic losers. Heroic losers. Here we go. When some neighbors in rural Argentina are swindled out of their savings by an unscrupulous lawyer and bank manager, they join forces to play an, uh, plan an elaborate heist and take back what's theirs. So a Latin American film. Um, the original title, La, Od- La Odisa de los Giles. I butchered that and I shouldn't have even read it. Nope. <laughs> Sounds cool, though. Um, For a second there, I closed my eyes and I realized... Remember that time I tried to read all the can names? Hey, at least you're trying. You know, i got to give you credit for that. And I'm apologizing because I'm I'm trying my best here. Um, As my mouth goes dry as I had my second coffee of the day with no water. Uh, Next up, Alma Harrell's Honey Boy, uh, written by LaBeouf. Shia Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Uh, Shia LaBeouf minds his own troubled uh, childhood in this raw confessional, which traces a decade in the toxic relationship between a famous child actor and his abusive alcoholic father. So he's playing his own father in the film in a supporting role. The movie played at Sundance, was picked up by Amazon, and is supposedly a really good performance from him. Um, He spent a lot of time in rehab uh, writing the script. And I don't know if you've seen any of the latest uh, interviews with him. Um, I was no. watching one on YouTube and he was doing it, I think it was for MTV or something like that. And it's almost like he's now joined like this weird like cult where like he has to have so many people around him all the time. So he's got like a entourage? Yeah, but they're like, when you say entourage, it's like 100, 200 people, like, like, a, like an actual like center of people. Really? Yeah. 
That's very weird. And he's like, I need I need people to be around me all the time. And like he's He's just... always been a interesting chap. Yeah. Uh I'm excited for this. I heard very good things and uh I mean Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. I'll, I'm 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 looking forward to it. Um next up, William Nicholson's Hope Gap. Uh, a together forever couple, Annette Benning and Bill Nighy, unpack the many complications of splitting up an Oscar-nominated writer-director William Nicholson's razor-sharp drama. Did you know much about this? No. Um, I mean, it sounds depressing about a lifelong couple that needs to split up. So, <laughs> uh, two great actors, though. So We'll see. We shall see. Uh, next up... Uh, Kaki Gidroich, How to Build a Girl. A working-class teenager, played by Beanie Feldstein, tries to reinvent herself as a hip London music critic in this unconventional coming-of-age story based on British author Caitlin Moran's semi-autobiographical novel, also starring Chris O'Dowd, Emma Thompson, and Patty Constantine. Or Con- Constantine. Right. Um, it could be funny. B he, might be fun in the role. I mean, it sounds... Yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah, I don't know much about it other than this little pitch, but uh, I like... You said Beanie. pitch, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, I like Beanie Feldstein. Is she going to have a British accent, I guess? Or she's going to fake one. Right. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, next up, Unju Moon's I Am Woman. Uh... Oh, it's the opening night film for the special presentations uh, program. Um, This uplifting biopic tells the story of Helen Reddy, the fiercely ambitious Australian singer, but uh, behind the 1971 mega hit anthem that became the rallying cry of the women's liberation movement. Cool. Do you know who's in it? I do not. No. Um we did a lot of research on this. Well, okay, I'm learning from the press release. No, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just informing the listeners. Usually, that... Tiff will list some people if there's anyone of, of like, not of note, but like known, right? Um, to people. Uh, next up, the other MCU connection I mentioned. Uh, Taika Waititi is back uh, at Tiff with Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I mentioned a teaser trailer came out today. You guys can go to Taika's uh, Twitter. Um, he posted it on there. I don't know if it's anywhere else right now. But uh, Taika Waititi directs a righteous cast, including Sam Rockwell, Scarlett Johansson, Rebel Wilson, and Alfie, Alfie Allen in this equally darling, droll, and touching story of a young German boy who discovers a Jewish girl hiding in his home and consults with his imaginary best friend, Adolf Hitler. Played, <laughs> played by, by Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Uh, the trailer's great. Uh, it was a short... It looks... Um, uh, very surreal and um, ridiculous, uh, but also um, heartfelt. And I'm, I'm curious of how he's going to balance that tone. Um, his interpretation of this imaginary uh, Adolf Hitler is quite funny. In the brief moment, you see him in the uh, the uh, the trailer. And, uh, I mean, Fox, Fox Searchlight, now obviously owned by Disney, is branding this as an anti-hate satire it's very prevalent throughout all of the marketing and right the well i think you need to be specific um, in a world where a president of the united states does not disown 
white nationalists. Yeah. You know, like it feels like you, you can't. You're throwing in the Trump jabs left I have and right. To, this though, hey, I'm, I'm cool with it, man. I just like. But I understand why they're doing that. Right. And to be clear, when you have him playing Adolf Hitler in a movie that's supposed to be a comedy, you want to make sure what people understand. That. Especially now. Yeah, I agree completely. Because um, there, there was a time when people realized that it was satire and now you have to be specific because you don't want these right people being extremists yeah i get it uh very very excited for this probably one of my most anticipated uh movies of the festival uh taika was at tiff last year uh for an in conversation uh i think some of his earlier stuff did play the festival yeah if i'm correct um and then but he hunt for the wilder people and obviously thor ragnarok did not so he hasn't been there for what we do in in the shadows shadows was the last one yep you were totally correct with that um yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you, you agree with me. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really excited about the movie, and, and I'm curious to see how it, if he'll pull it off, because it's it's one of those movies that seems like it's going to be a, a bit of a, a tightrope to, to get past, and tonally, can he pull yeah, that off? Yeah, a balancing act, right, yeah. of to make sure that kind of works, and if it goes too... I mean, I love Taika's style, but it could, yeah, go off the deep end, maybe, but yeah, I don't know, I'm I'm all in. I cannot wait to be up there in my most anticipated. Uh, next up, uh, Rupert Gould's Golds, Rupert Rupert Gold's Gould's uh, Judy, Judy. Trailer for this is out. I haven't. There's watched two it. trailers actually. There's oh, a teaser there? and a full trailer. Okay, uh, Oscar winner Renee Zellweger um, as Judy Garland delivers a note perfect performance as Judy Garland during the last year of her life. Uh, depressing uh and rupert gold's tr- uh director of true story uh moving adaptation of the stage play end of the rainbow um are you excited for this at all uh, did you watch those trailers i didn't watch them uh, yeah i saw the well i saw one of them i think i just saw the the teaser trailer um i'm curious about this but at the same time the trailer the way that the trailer has been marketed is is another awards bait kind of movie yeah um but i but again like i, I think maybe like it'll be something more i mean rupert gold's an interesting guy cuz he's mostly a theater director and has a background in 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 plays and and productions in london and then he makes this one sort of american centric crime drama with true story which was the movie with james franco and jonah hill um which was oh okay. right yeah i was hoping for more like i i didn't mind it, it. had I potential good to be perform- great good performances yeah but it had so much potential to be something really dark and unique and yeah. kind of you know macabre in, in a way and it just never really got there um with this like it could be something that's really tragic and 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 thoughtful but yeah, I, I feel like they're really kind of like specifically honing in that it's like, oh, this is Renee Zellweger's comeback role in a lot of ways. I know she has that Netflix show, What If, but um, not the uh, Marvel Studios What If, though. But um, yeah, like everything marketing-wise up until now has been like solely focused on Renee Zellweger is Judy Garland. And it kind of plays into those musical biopic tropes and where it's cliches, like yeah yeah it, like it kind of looks almost like a my week with Marilyn kind of thing yeah yeah uh no interest from me but opens at uh, the end of september yeah okay no thanks uh <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Next up, Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Oh, baby. So no um, one wants to see that one, right? Oh, no, no one. Uh, a trailer for this just dropped a couple weeks ago. Um, I will give you the pitch if you guys already don't know what this is about. You've been living uh, under a rock. Director Ryan Johnson, who you guys might know from a little film called Star Wars The Last Jedi, or... Uh, previous tiff opener which we mentioned earlier in the show looper um and many other things uh assembles an all-star cast of daniel craig tony collette jamie lee curtis anna de armas chris evans don johnson michael shannon and lakeith uh, stanfield in this intelligent whodunit about a famed southern detective played by daniel craig um, who joins forces with local police to investigate a group of eccentric suspects following the murder of a wealthy crime novelist christopher plumber uh not i mean played by christopher <laughs> plumber the, the crime. crime novelist um it's your classic whodunit yeah. in the agatha christie yep. model so yeah we'll tongue-in-cheek a little bit from the trailers it looks yeah. like it it looks like it's bit. gonna be a good time and it's a perfect kind of crowd pleaser yes and it'll be a, a huge premiere so yeah. many that'll be hard games. to get tickets to yes i agree completely uh, very excited. This would be up there in the films that I was uh, very happy uh, to hear about um, coming to the festival. Yeah, it will be a, a crazy premiere. Not a gala, though. It's a special presentation. Um, maybe because of it being sort of a genre movie as well. Right. Um, <laughs> genre uh, goes yeah. into the special presentation. <laughs> kind of. It's usually what happens. But Joker um, looks like it's a genre yeah, that's, movie. That's right? a, that's well, it a, is a genre movie. That is a fair point, yeah, being a comic book movie. So, yeah. Um, uh yeah i know you're excited for knives out as well i sure am yeah we talked about it on a previous episode too and we'll probably uh review it if uh if you're lucky oh we will we will um next up uh nicholas bedos's la belle epoque in this high concept comedy from nicholas bedos uh who directed mr and mrs edelman a ludite cartoonist suffering from an existential crisis hires a VR company to recreate a happier time in his marriage as he tries to reconcile the golden-hued past with an inescapable digital present. Weird. Kind of like, cool premise. Yeah, there. I like that. I, I'm into that. Keep that um, on your radar. Keep it on your VR headset. Uh, next up, Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story. Um, in the latest from Noah Baumbach, who you guys would know from the Meyerowitz stories, Francis Ha, tons of other stuff. Kicking and Screaming, um, not the Will Ferrell one. Yeah. <laughs> While We're Young. Which also played Tiff. Squid and uh, the Whale. Yeah. A stage director, Adam Driver, and his actor wife, played by Scarlett Johansson, uh, struggle through a grueling coast-to-coast divorce that pushes them to their personal and creative extremes. Sounds uplifting. <laughs> now, you said Scarlett Johansson is playing a, an actor in this? Yes. Not a tree? Oh, God. <laughs> um, no comment. Uh, next up. Or are you excited for this? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be one of those movies that is going to be a combination of both comedic and dramatic. And depending on, you know, where... Noah Baumbach falls in the kind of category of uh, despicable characters or characters that are complex and flawed. This sounds to me like it's going to be a little bit more tougher at times to sort of get through, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to dissuade anybody who wants to see it, Yeah, but it, it, it seems like it's going to be a little bit more emotionally raw at times. Agreed. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with the Meyerowitz stories, which took me way too long to actually watch. I think it was one of the better Adam Sandler performances of recent memory. 
yeah. um, which we'll get to in a little bit as oh, well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like Noah Baumbach. I think he uh, mostly works for me. Like, uh, I would say more times than not, I really enjoy his stuff, although I find it kind of like, uh, like I he's the perfect filmmaker where I really enjoy it in the moment, but I really never think about or really go back to his stuff very often. If Interesting. That makes Cause something like squid and the whale is the one where, yeah. and again, talking about a movie about divorce and sort of how the divorce is seen through the eyes of the kids in, in that, in that film. Yeah. So. Uh, next up, uh, Peter, Cat- God, Peter Cataneo's military. So this wives. is from the director of the full Monty. Right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I did not know that with their partners away serving in Afghanistan, a group of women on the home front uh, fr- form a choir and quickly find themselves at the center of a media sensation and global movement in this feel good story from Peter Cataneo from the, the director of the full Monty. Full Sounds Monty is one of those movies when we were, when we were younger. Well, when did my come parents out? liking it? 90, 90- Seven? Yeah, and I remember being very young and just thinking of it as a male stripper movie. Right. The original uh, Magic Mike. Yeah, exactly. But with middle-aged British I didn't, guys. I didn't know anything about it. Right. I remember then yeah. they also did like the stage version of it as well. Right. Um, this to me almost sounds like the full Monty where it's like he's... Because after that movie, he never was able to really recapture that in a bottle again, like lightning in a bottle kind of scenario. And it, and it feels like this almost is like him trying to do that again a little bit where it's like you introduce a kind of feel good scenario where you have these likable characters and they're kind of doing something that's a little bit like sort of off kilter, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm one, I, it'll be on my short list. I think it sounds interesting. Um, a movie I know you're very excited for, and it was on our uh, most anticipated films of the year list. Uh, Edward Norton's Motherless Brooklyn is playing the festival. I'll give a quick synopsis, then get your thoughts. Uh, Edward Norton directs and stars in this layered mystery based on Jonathan Lethem's acclaimed novel about a private investigator with Tourette syndrome trying to solve his boss's murder. Yes, and his boss is played by Bruce Willis. Um, this is a movie that Edward Norton's been trying to make for years. Uh, I think since around 2001, 2002, after uh, his first film as a director, Keeping the Faith with Ben Stiller and Jenna Elfman. Um, and Jonathan Lithum's novel is uh, dark. It's like a pulpy noir. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's, it's a really good novel. And I know Norton wants to make the best movie he possibly can. Um, but they've also had a lot of, not issues with the film itself, but I remember there was a, a fire that happened on one of the sets, uh, that was reported that a, a stuntman was killed during the making of that. Um, and also it'll be interesting to see how they handle, uh, Tourette's. Yeah. We had a big issue with, I know a very different film, but with Thomas uh, Jane and, uh, and the predator. predator yeah. yeah. Um, which was at last year's festival and, um, yeah, I, because we talk about all the time that like we're in this politically correct culture now, but we haven't quite and got quite gotten to uh, handicap and as well as the elderly is what we always talk about is like right. those are sometimes. I mean, it's not that people make fun of the handicap very often in films, and I don't think well, physical is, disability. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, but I don't. I 
I hope that it's it's played more like it doesn't seem like it's played for laughs or anything, no. right? So you've read the novel, more. yeah, and and again, the novel is uh, Jonathan Lissom is one of those guys for me that um, I started I I probably started at the wrong one. Like Motherless Brooklyn was my first of his, and then afterwards I read as she climbed across uh, the table and Fortress of Solitude. Um, and there's a couple others as well that are, that are really good, but yeah. So like if this works, maybe this will be the beginning of Jonathan Litham's other novels being adapted. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, Yawn fans, number seven, Cherry Lane, um, set in the politically charged Hong Kong of the 1960s, iconic Chinese director, Yawn fans animation debut is an atmospheric story of an English literature student who enters into a love triangle with the woman he is tutoring and her middle-aged mother. Talking about adult animated films that right. kind of played the festival. And so. independently made movies, yeah. right? So Sounds interesting. Yeah, and this is the more prestigious kind of movie as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. That sounds cool. Um, I like the art style. There's an image that you guys can check out on. I think there might be even a trailer. It looked like it was a video. Um, so we'll check those out after. Um, next up, uh, uh, Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory. Um, an aging filmmaker played by Antonio Banderas grapples with an uncertain future and the circumstances that shaped his successfully but troubled life in Pedro Almodovar's uh, self-reflexive consideration of identity and desire. So it looks like Banderas is playing kind of a fictionalized version. Yeah, of him. he's playing a surrogate yeah. for Almodovar. Yeah, um, and this played a can, which uh, Banderas won the Best Actor uh, prize. Cool. Yeah, nice. I'm excited about this. I I don't like all of uh, Almodovar's movies, but I do like again, like he's kind of hit or miss. But um, I've heard this one is is again really subdued, like for his because like he he's known for the kind of very like flamboyant over the top kind of craziness when it comes to his color palette and yeah. his storylines and kind of like playing in camp, uh, whether it be all about my mother or, you know, the last movie that he worked with Antonio Banderas in was, uh, the skin I live. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, that was, I haven't seen that. That's the one you keep telling me to watch. Yeah, I think. It's, it's, it's on criterion channel. I think. Yeah. It's quite disturbing and okay. weird and, <laughs> um, thought provoking, but then sometimes you can also make movies that, um, aren't the greatest. Like I, I'm so excited, which is the airliner uh, film where like a bunch of people are sitting on a uh, airplane, kind of like talking for a couple of hours, but it's all like high comedy kind of camp. That's like feels like you're watching a Spanish sitcom. Okay, it's real bad. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Next up, Palm Door winner, uh, Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very excited for this. Um, a family of cunning derelicts scheme to enter a wealthy household's uh, employ, uh, employ, sorry. Envoy? Uh, envoy. <laughs> Um, employ in this genre-bending palm door winning thriller of class struggle from South Korean master Bong Joon-ho, uh, which you guys would uh, know from many, many different things, but recently Okja and Snowpiercer. Yeah, um, so he's gone back to uh, South Korea to tell this story. Yeah, uh, don't know much about it. I've heard it's best to go into without knowing much about it. Um I've heard it's fantastic. Obviously, it won the Palm Door. Um, one of your most anticipated films. It sure is. Um, I like all of his movies, um, starting with uh, 
memories of murder and uh, the host and mother and all those films. He's uh, a lot of his stuff is available on Netflix Canada. Because yeah, and of, Amazon Prime. Yeah, because of uh, Okja, and then yeah, the other stuff is on Amazon Prime. So I would love to catch up with some of the stuff I haven't seen of his yet um, before the festival because I'm very excited for Parasite. Um, next up, Katrine Gebe, uh, Gebe's, uh, Pelican Blood, uh, a mother's idyllic country life, uh, is threatened when her newly adopted second daughter turns from a shy and charming, turns from shy and charming to menacing and dangerous in Katrine Gebe's dramatic thriller. Interesting. Interesting. That sounds cool. Um, it looks like it's a German film. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, sorry, guys. When we don't know much about the film, that's all we got. We're like, okay, that sounds well, once intriguing. Once we see the movie, yeah. we oh, can... Oh, we'll give you our... Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but it sounds cool. Um, next up, uh, Celine uh, Schiama's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Another film that played at Cannes and, and got a lot of regard. She also directed girlhood and tomboy uh hired to paint a portrait ahead of a perspective uh ahead of a prospective marriage an artist in 18th century uh Brittany finds herself falling for the reclusive would-be bride in this can queer palm can queer palm winning fourth feature from writer director celine schiama cool yeah and apparently it's one of those period pieces that's got bite it's got edge Ooh. so you won't be bored by it. Right. Is that specifically talking to me who does yeah. not like period pieces usually? Unless All it's right. the current war. Okay. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I weirdly, I don't know if I was in the right mood for the, it was still not released, right? Yeah. Coming out this October. Uh, oh, okay. There you go. Because they could play Tiff this year. Yeah. Um, well, they could because they it's a, it's a new cut. Oh, is it? Well, Did meaning they... that it just has now credits. <laughs> so. Oh, right. Yeah. So you could submit it now for. I'm not saying it was great. I just meant I, I didn't hate it. Um, so I thought it was fine. Um, next up, Lou Yi's Saturday Fiction. In 1941, a Chinese actress returns to Japanese-occupied Shanghai, ostensibly to star in a play, but her true motivations become complicated as she learns of the imminent Pearl Harbor attack and struggles to differentiate friend from undercover enemy. Ooh. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, sorry if all my commentary is just that sounds cool, but that's hashtag that sounds cool. Yeah, one hundred percent, and that sounds cool. My catchphrases. Okay, I'm starting to run out of breath here. Um, we're on. Actually, we're almost done. Um, next up, Gabriella uh, Ca- Copperthwaite's The Friend. Uh, director of uh, documentary director of uh, Blackfish. Oh right, okay. Um, based on the award-winning Esquire article of the same name, a man played by Jason Siegel puts his own life on hold to move into the family home of his best friends, Dakota Johnson and Casey Affleck, and support them through a terminal cancer diagnosis. Uh, okay. Uh, so she directed uh, Blackfish. Yep. Uh, Jason Siegel, a guy that I always Hasn't forget. Been around for a yeah, while. Yeah, like we watched him in that Netflix film a couple years ago, right? Was that already a couple years ago? Yeah, yeah, with uh, Rooney Mara and yeah. Robert Redford. And that was the last thing I think he's been in, right? He's one no, of those he guys. Was, he was in the Chiwetel Ejiofor televangelist movie. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. He's always a guy. Netflix films now. The Discovery <sighs> and... Uh, is this a Netflix film too? Come Sunday? I don't know. I think this is... No, because Elevation has it here in Canada. So if it Fair. was Netflix, it would not be Elevation. That is a true statement. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Um curious also curious to see how something like that will be reacted to because of casey affleck being in it right yeah um next up steven soderbergh's the laundromat starring my favorite she's in the image meryl streep meryl streep uh people seem to love her in big little eyes season two i just have no desire to watch big little eyes season they two. love her teeth apparently uh gosh fake That's the thing teeth. i keep hearing about uh, Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, and Antonio Banderas star in uh, Steven Soderbergh's guided tour through the corrupt and secret world of financial crime that was exposed by the infamous Panama Papers leak. Uh, also so she goes in- from the Pentagon Papers to the Panama Papers. Great. Just every movie about papers. <laughs> uh, love Soderbergh. I loved... Have you seen the um, cast list? It's pretty great. Yeah, it's even like, more than those few yeah. people, right? It's... Um, uh, his second film of the year, both uh, second Netflix film of the year, yep. uh, High Flying Bird, which is on both of our uh, best movies of the year list. Yeah, um, so far, yeah. So far. Um, Unlike IndieWire, that has just you know, claimed the, the best centuries over. The last or not centuries. Sorry, decade, uh, de- right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we still have five months, but let's be the first ones to get that out there. Yeah. Because um, none of these fucking movies will make that list in the right. second half of the year. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll just edit the list uh excited for this yeah i mean yeah uh, I, i'm curious to see like i'm he he probably didn't shoot this on an iphone right like no this one i think he he shot with quote-unquote real cameras right although i think high flying bird looks fantastic but yeah this movie i feel like you probably want to shoot on he shot it on his watch yeah his <laughs> apple watch his ipad like an old man um yeah, I mean, Soderbergh's great, and uh, um, I'll see anything that he makes. Um, a lot of really, like, premium filmmakers this year, and even people that I didn't realize were there until I read that they were the ones that made that movie. Uh, next up, a movie I know we're both very excited for, uh, Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. Yep. Um, shot on 35mm black and white film, this psychological thriller from Robert Eggers, who directed The uh, Witch, uh, follows the slow descent into madness of two lighthouse keepers, played by Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, on a remote New England island on the turn of the 19th century. And I believe it's in uh, Academy aspect ratio as well, 4x3. I believe you are correct. So, um... What I love about movies that are in that aspect ratio that play TIFF is that if you go to a public showing of them, uh, if it's not at Scotiabank, um, you will see it most likely in with proper masking. Yeah, like I remember when we saw First Reformed at Ryerson that they uh, they adjusted the screen. And which is great because yeah. you, you'll never get that other than at a festival, right? Or if it plays Lightbox. Um, yeah. Which Lightbox will properly mask because I remember seeing a ghost story there. And they properly masked the screen. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of The Witch. Uh, didn't hate it or anything. I was just kind of underwhelmed. Um, well, you don't like period pieces. That is also true. And this is also a period piece. But but you did um, love the baby killing scene in The Witch. You were all about that. Was I? Or are you just making no, that just up? Making <laughs> like, I don't know if that's true. Black Phillip, on the other hand. Um 
I would like to revisit The Witch with lowered expectations, I think. I think it was hyped up a lot. Well, it was elevated horror. Um, yeah, but it was hyped out of... Uh, did it play somewhere Sundance. else? Sundance, yeah. right. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I would like to revisit it because I haven't watched it since... Uh, Midnight. It played Midnight Madness, correct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I remember going. Well, that. that seems like a better Vanguard movie than Midnight yeah. Madness. Yeah, uh, this is just in special presentations. Uh, I think Robert Pattinson um, is great, and obviously, um, Willem Dafoe is amazing. Uh, you're pretty psyched about this, right? I am. Yeah, and especially also because it shot in Nova Scotia, um, the black and white cinematography, and also. Um, if you haven't listened to it, A24 actually has uh, their latest podcast with Robert Eggers and Ari Aster interviewing each other. Right. And uh, they talk about both Midsommar and The Lighthouse. And there's some interesting stuff between the two of them because they talk about, like, you know, the concept of saying, like, elevated horror and, like, how much a joke that is. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do they just shit talk that term? Yeah. Um, excited for this. I keep saying excited for this because I'm very fucking excited for Tiff. Um, I'm going to butcher this person's name, so I apologize. Um, Next up is Malgorzada's Sumauska's The Other Lamb. Uh, A girl played by Rafi Cassidy, uh, born into an all-female cult led by a man in their compound, played by... Uh, Michelle Huseman. Is it Michael or Michelle? Uh, Michelle. He's from yeah. uh, Game of Thrones. Right. You're correct. Uh, begins to question his teachings and, and her own reality in this haunting English language debut from acclaimed Polish director. Uh, I, I already butchered her name. Um, Mal, Malgorzata Sumowska, who directed The Body and Mug. Have you seen those? No, but I heard The Body wasn't that good. Okay. I'm just looking that up now. Um, and I, oh, again, I would like to learn your name, and I will after this, I promise. Uh, next up, uh, Vaclav Marhul's The Painted Bird. A young Jewish boy en- encounters the worst of humanity as he wanders Eastern Europe during World War II in director Vaclav Marhul's adaptation of uh, Jerzy Kozinski's uh, infamous Holocaust novel. novel. The Painted Bird. Um, Sounds depressing. Uh, next up, uh, Armando in- Inucci's The Personal History of David Copperfield. Um, director Armando Inucci, who directed The Death of Stalin, which was at TIFF last year. Yep, and in um, The Loop. Yep. And he is the creator of Veep. Brings his sardonic wit. And a, uh, and a stellar cast that includes Dev Patel, Tilda Swinton, Hugh Laurie, Gwendolyn Christie, Peter Capal- Capaldi, and Ben Wyshaw to Charles Dickens' classic autobiographical novel. Uh, Death of Stalin was not my thing. So do you think this is probably also not my thing? Uh, it depends. Maybe, yeah. maybe it was the time period. Maybe you're just not a fan of... Uh... Uh, Russia during that period? I don't know. Yeah. I just... You know when you're just not in a mood for something? that Like... Right. I just... I Dark comedy. I got half an hour into it, and I was like, I gotta go. You left. Yeah, I did. I did. You really liked it, I did, you? yeah. I like yeah. the sardonic wit. Um, I also just like that it's just absurd. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm usually into that. It's just... 
I guess maybe when you're exhausted and you're just sometimes you just can't get into that mindset. Yeah, because that was the, the second half of the festival at that point, right? Yeah. So I was just I was like, none of this is funny to me right now. I need to go. <laughs> I can't last another hour. Um. Next up, Scott Z. Burns, uh, his movie called The Report. Um, in this searing political thriller from screenwriter Scott Z. Burns, who wrote Contagion, Adam Driver stars as a dogged investigator who's tapped by the U.S. Senate to probe the CIA's use of torture tactics after 9-11. Just a nice, lighthearted film. Sounds great. Played at Sundance. Amazon picked it up. It'll be streaming uh, at the end of the month. End of September? Yeah. Yep. Um, what do you, uh, are you, do you like Scott Z. Burns? Yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. he works with Soderbergh a lot, and I believe Soderbergh's yeah. actually an executive producer on that movie as well. Uh, having written Contagion, Side Effects, there's something else, The Informant, I think, was the other one. Yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see what his directorial debut will be like. I've heard it's very dry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also so heard try to see it early both, in the festival. Uh, yeah, Adam Driver and Annette Bening are very good in the movie, and that it's uh, uh, very topical. Cool. Uh, next up, Fernando uh, Mireles's "The Two Popes." In 2013, progressive incoming Pope Francis, played by Jonathan Price, and conservative outgoing Pope Benedict, played by Anthony Hopkins, debate the path forward for the Catholic Church in this surprisingly funny chamber piece from Oscar-nominated director, director Fernando Morales. City uh, of God. Who directed City of God. Constant Gardner. Uh, thoughts on this? Um, I'll have to hear it. Th- this is like the one movie that's kind of like... It could be hit or miss for me. Yeah. Popes just don't do anything for me. Yeah. I I would agree with that. Um, I just think of uh, the Da Vinci Code. Or the young Pope. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) The young Pope. I mean, Um, I I liked... City of God and Constant Gardner are great. um, But then Fernando Morales kind of fell off the bandwagon with 360. I don't know if you remember that one. Where it was kind of that inter... Sort of spursed intertwining drama with jude law and there were right. russians it also played tiff didn't it? yeah and it was yeah. terrible <laughs> yeah. uh i mean anthony hopkins probably acting school in this probably right but um if it's just the conversation it's going to be like before the before trilogy but with popes, popes. <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. I have no idea if that's what it's going to be like. Uh, next film we are very excited for. Uh, the Safty Brothers are coming to TIFF with uh, Uncut Gems. Uh, oh, boy. Let me read you this. Uh, from acclaimed filmmakers Josh and Benny Safty comes an electrifying crime thriller. thriller Filler, about, baby. Uh, crime thriller about Howard Ratner, played by... Um, uh, Howard Ratner, played by Adam Sandler, a charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big score. When he makes a series of high-stakes bets that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime, Howard must perform a precocious high-wire act, balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in, this relentless pr- in his relentless pursuit of- for the ultimate win. Uh, awesome. Yep, yep, I'm in. I'm in. Good time, directors. Uh, look, Heaven can wait. Look at the photos of Adam Sandler. He looks amazing. I know. It kind of um, almost looks like it's. it will be a good uh, double bill with uh, The Beach Bum, where you have like these kind of larger-than-life, exaggerated characters kind of 
going on this adventure. Yeah, and almost like everything around them is just as completely idiosyncratic as they are. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for this. I um, I didn't love every aspect of good time but i really appreciated um their there's style. a lot of potential yeah and and again this is executive produced by martin scorsese so you know like can't go wrong right uh, yeah and when the sandman actually tries is scorsese just gonna be there for the whole festival you <laughs> he's think? gonna or be like... sitting in the corner somewhere yeah. but when the sandman actually tries he's good he yeah. is gen- and that's what frustrates me about him because like he has he can be excellent yeah we just talked wasting it we just talked about Meyerowitz which yeah. he's unbelievable in and then he goes and does a bunch of like kind of generic Hang va- out with vacation my movies in a nice exotic <laughs> yeah. location yeah like lowest I mean I don't blame him and I, I guess too. a hot wife like, yeah that's like- that's, that's the go to fucking cookie cutter Adam Sandler movie it's like all right, all my friends, let's go on an elaborate vacation and a hot wife. Yeah. And like, and he movies where he can wear track pants. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's it. It's like the it's script like, is like Adam. He 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 wears regular pants. Oh no, right in that he. We wears don't need track a pants. costume designer here. I'll just wear my <laughs> Adidas track pants. I'll just wear what I come in with. Yeah, an, an oversized shirt. Um, but very very excited for this. Um, next up, Makoto Shinkai's Weathering With You. Uh, in the highly anticipated follow-up to his 2016 anime box office hit Your Name, Makoto Shinkai returns with the story of a runaway teenager who meets a girl with the fantastical ability to stop the rain and clear the sky. Uh, Your Name was a huge hit back in 2016. Uh, one of the crossover hits that you don't see super, super often. No, especially, um, again, for a smaller animated film on an independent label, um, you know, doing that well and becoming kind of a a success. Because I remember seeing it in February, but I, I saw, theatrically, I saw the, the dubbed version of it. Uh, I went to see the subbed version, I believe. Okay, because the subversion is better than yeah. the dub version. Because I have it on Blu-ray, and I watched it afterwards as the as the dubbed or the sub version. And those are the always the best versions of, of course, yeah, of any you know foreign language film that's that's animated. Because even though like you might lose some of the humor, I mean, it just it's so weird when you hear an American voice, especially one that you might recognize. But something like this, like the humor gets lost in there a little bit and the storytelling kind of doesn't necessarily translate at times and some of the music is kind of weird yeah uh i'm excited for this i really enjoyed your name yeah um i remember they're they're making that jj abrams is producing a yeah or at least that, he, right? he's optioned it i yeah. mean who knows if it'll actually happen right, right that's fair um yeah this sounds cool i'm i'm definitely gonna put it uh on my schedule somewhere i really uh dug your name and uh um, it's just a nice change from your typical festival fair too, right? Right. Um, and it'll be beautifully animated yeah. and again, probably very emotional. So, yep. And then finally our last, uh, film, uh, at least in this announcement before we talk about the Canadian films next week and, yeah. and midnight madness the week after. And then um, all the other create masters and yeah. And then there'll be more in special presentations in Galileo later in the summer. Can, yeah. Yeah. Um, God, of course, the last movie I'm going to butcher the person's name. Uh, Mentras Durla Gr- uh, Guerrera, 
his or her <laughs> film uh, while at war. Uh, set in the first months of the Spanish Civil War, this riveting and timely chamber drama from acclaimed writer-director Alejandro uh, Amenabar, uh, who directed The Others. Um, oh, wait, sorry. I was reading the Spanish title, not the director. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, okay. Now I know who that director is. Yeah, the sea inside. Uh, and the yes, others, right? I know Alejandro uh, Amenabar. Um Tracks the country slide into the nearly four. De- you, you can tell we've been doing this for an hour and 50 minutes. Um, tracks the country slide into the nearly four decades of fascism under director Francisco Franco. Sorry, I butchered that whole description. Uh, do you like that director? He's okay. I yeah. didn't mind the others. I didn't love it. I remember the others came after a couple years after The Sixth Sense, and it was and kind it of was billed as like the, the big twist, twist right? Movie, Nicole right? Kidman? Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Our friend Mike Muntz really loves that movie. It's fine. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. I haven't watched it in a You're very long time. You're not my daughter. Time. You're mad. I am your daughter. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Those yeah. Are, that, those are the... Uh, the, the first wave. 50 plus films that we went over in um Sorry to disappoint detail. you that Cats is not a part of it. Not yet. Yeah. Um, anything... Not to, I mean, we talked about a, a lot of things we're very excited for when I went through each uh, film. Uh, quickly, I'm putting you on the spot, but um, movies you're very, like, you're most anticipated that you will 100% uh, have on your schedule. Uncut um, Gems will be will yeah. be up there. Lighthouse will be up there. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else like, like that is knives out like i mean the, the the studio stuff will be will be dominant but at the same time i'm also going to try to find but it is galas and special presentation yeah, parasite. so it's parasite's like... probably the one i'm out of any of them i'm the is i'm most excited about and the one i'm most curious about is is motherless brooklyn yep but um, I, I would say like the one that will be like number one i have to see it as soon as i can is parasite okay yeah. cool um what about you I mean, there's so much that I, uh, I'm, I, I, again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I think it is a uh, unbelievably good lineup. And uh, I know you're really excited for um, Hustlers. Yeah, <laughs> number one. I got to see it that week before everyone else. Um, Knives Out, I think, would be up there. Um, uh, I like that kind of whodunit, kind of uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek kind of vibe he's got going on. I really loved that trailer um love ryan johnson um i a joker again is as cliche and kind of uh uh silly as that is i just like it's fascinating to me that that they're putting that out a a month before it's released at a film festival so i want to see if it lives up to that if that makes sense because we've been um yeah if it's worthy of the spot that it's been given like yeah especially if there was like another film that has could have been there because again i haven't been excited for a dc film in quite a while yeah. i don't even know if i am quote-unquote excited well, you're such i, I, a I huge am huge aquaman riding that wave but we're excited yeah i mean me and you are huge batman fans i see your batman tattoo poking out of your your shirt right now which a lot of people might not know that you have but like it's it's been so you. it's How been dare so, you reveal my you. Identity. <laughs> <laughs> um i exposed you as a bad boy with a tattoo um yeah i'm such a huge batman fan and it's like unfortunate what's happened with the DC films over the last like few years. And Matt Reeves um, is going to bring it back. Hopefully. And I know Todd Phillips, again, that's the one thing where we're like, 
Todd Phillips, like I, I mildly enjoyed the, the hangover movies when I was younger, at least the first one. And, um, uh, Starsky and Hutch. I, I love like. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. I think that's my favorite film of his. Um, and then going back to road trip and, uh, old and, and old school, which again, as a teenager, I, I enjoyed as an adult. Now they I don't, don't date. Know. Well, no, they don't sure. definitely school don't for scoundrels. Um, yeah, they, they definitely don't hold up, but, and he's kind of obviously a, a broy filmmaker, but, um, with them comparing it to taxi driver and saying that they're not really pulling anything from the comics and they're making up their own backstory for this guy. And just like, it's still taking place in Gotham, but it seems like DC's going into a space where they're taking like each thing is its own thing and they don't necessarily right, have to connect. Because at this point, why not? Why not? Who cares? Throw spaghetti at the wall and see if I can, if a meatball sticks, that's not even a <laughs> saying. I just made that up. Uh, I think it's, I think it's a new uh, whatever. tagline for the show. <laughs> just fucking <laughs> throw shit. spaghetti at a wall and see if a meatball sticks. Like I don't know, whatever. Like, I know what you're saying, though. Right? But I'm just you throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. That's um. But meatballs. I'm just hopefully the meatballs. Uh, so Joker is a fascinating one to me because it shows confidence in it. Weirdly, that like if they are going this route, maybe it's just confidence for the performance. I don't know if the movie around it is going to be great. But you mentioned produced or executive produced by Martin Scorsese or produced, right? I think um, it's executive produced. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm. He'll take a producer credit if the movie's successful. Uh, but I'm with you. Uh, Parasite, very excited for Jojo Rabbit. Um, very excited for. Um, yeah, they just sent the um, uh, trailer. The trailer and the poster. Yeah, the poster is uh, stylized text and things like that. It looks and it's cool. got the kind of like the shadow thumb thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just looking through the lineup. A, uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, yeah, and a lot of these for... movies are opening in September and October and November, so they're not far away for anybody that's listening to this that won't be able to attend the festival and mm-hmm. will be able to keep you posted on release dates of when these movies are, are coming to you. Uh, Just Mercy. Uh, I mean, I, I like, I love Michael B. Jordan. And, yeah. Um, and that's, and that's another one where like Warner brothers again with like the Joker has confidence in it that, you know, this might be something more than just, cause it was supposed to get released back uh, in January. Like, it was supposed to just be a January release. This past January? Next year. Or next year. So it was supposed to just come out But they January. bumped it up to an awards release. So yeah. that, that does show uh, confidence in that uh, as well. Um, just looking, um, uh, The Laundromat, um, again, doesn't seem like my type of movie, but I, I always give Soderbergh uh, the benefit of the doubt. The Lighthouse, again, um, even though I wasn't a huge fan of The Witch, I love the style and the cinematography that's uh, described there. Um, you already mentioned Motherless Brooklyn. You've convinced me that, I mean, I like kind of noir mystery stories like that too and hopefully it's a return to form for bruce willis as well right like Um, he actually is giving a performance like giving a shit yeah Yeah. like he doesn't look like a sad egg like when's the last time we saw him give a shit in some moonrise kingdom yeah yeah you're probably right there the moonrise kingdom and looper was the year was 2012 and that was like the last time where he was working with filmmakers that were actually pushing him yeah and then i'm with you on uncut gems as well um, quickly before we wrap up, um, this two hour long <laughs> fucking preview show, uh, anything that wasn't announced that you, uh, are surprised or wanted to be announced, oh, besides um, cats, uh, yeah, 
um, or anything you think could be in another program that we didn't hear. Yeah, today. I mean, I'd be curious to see what what is put in the Masters this year. Like, will Malik show up there? Uh, will Kelly Reichardt show up there with First Cow? Will we get like I, I'm also interested in like what some of the international movies will be in terms of the, you know contemporary in the world stuff. Contemporary um, world cinema being yeah yeah and, and, yeah and those categories are always interesting as well and mm-hmm. um, anything in the Canadian lineup next week that you um, you know I can't think of anything off the top other than of my maybe head. the Dolan but I, yeah I, which played Can um, yeah yeah I, I, I mean we already got the Agoyan movie here which will also be in the in the thing next week but right um, yeah I don't know. Um, I'm sure we'll see a couple things pop up from people who played at festivals in, in recent years and stuff too. Yeah, and, and the Quebecois cinema is always kind of in its own sort of world. Like it right. feels like it's isolated from the rest of But Canada, then some of the best so, Canadian filmmakers come from there yeah, too, Yeah, right? so when those movies are announced next week, a lot of them will probably be the biggest surprises of you know what's playing the fest and what are you know, the, the biggest surprises overall, like mm-hmm. they're usually the best movies. Yeah. So, and then finally, um, midnight madness, anything that like, well, obviously Rambo, I think could be I, a fun yeah. one, even though again, that's opening the beginning of September. Yeah, so really it doesn't, it, um, it would just be a fun experience. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, what would be like, I, I mean, we talked a little bit about the hunt, uh, a couple episodes. That would ago. make sense. Um, um, cause it's a Blumhouse production as well with universal, uh, trying to think of like anything like pulpy, like the one that was surprising that won't be playing, I don't think, is the Lodge, which played Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they usually wouldn't put a Toronto premiere. It yeah. usually has to be at least like Canadian premiere. Um, yeah, because that's interesting because that's opening November. Yeah, but played Fantasia or is going to be playing Fantasia. It hasn't played yet. Um, I mentioned Doctor Sleep, and we've seen Warner Brothers show up with two big movies in in the galas and special presentations do they have anything more or just those two big ones from the stuff we went through well motherless um, brooklyn is new line and so it's a part of warner brothers yeah so that would be three yeah um so i mean that that's showing you something i don't know if dr sleep would be something they would want to put out um earlier but yeah um, i mean some people are saying like you know Little Women and stuff like that, but again, you don't those know where were, they are in post production, right. and you right? think those would be included in this announcement, right? Like we yeah. don't see too many like super high profile things get added after this batch. Uh, I mean, at least in the galas and special presentations, right. you usually uh, get unless maybe it's just not ready yet, or done, they're and not it's like, like flying like there. It's like yeah. one of those. It, it might play if it's finished. Um, it's uh, very last yeah. minute. It's like eleventh hour kind of movie, right? Yeah. Okay, Siri. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I'm very excited. I think this is a, a fantastic uh, first wave of films. Um, I mean, we nerd out about this stuff. I can't wait to sit down and kind of try to fit everything or make a short list probably later today as I go over these films um, with a fine tooth comb and, and, and see exactly what I want to see or put, what films to put on my short list. But um, super, super excited. Same. I'm really, it's, it's, I think it's, I mean, it's, it always is, but it's going to be a fun tiff and to, you know, actually really cover it this year the way that we have been with uh, the podcast, you know, last year, but do it in a way that is, you know, on a daily basis. We'll, we'll... To give you guys updates of every yeah. single movie that we see. Yeah. And we're hoping it works. I'll have my laptop on me and, and 
we'll be doing it on our cell phones. We might have to get, uh, I might buy us some battery packs and stuff to hold in my backpack or whatever. And I'm getting inside baseball of how we're going to do this. But I think some people care about this shit. Um, for me, it's like what I love about this now is going through each film and like doing a little bit more research, like I said, but based on like, so for those of you that either are new to TIFF or go to TIFF, like my, um, uh, suggestions to you or my advice is um, I like to try to look at aspect ratios of films like um, and, and things like that to pick what venue I'm going to see movies at as well. Um, I know it's a little bit different for us because we're press and industry where a lot of our screenings are at the Scotiabank, um, which uh, pros and cons to that. I mean, I, I, I love the convenience that um, that we're pretty much in one location. And, and you, you can just can basically hop, hop the around the theater. Uh, the con being no proper masking at the Scotiabank, uh, which you guys have heard about if you are uh, a longtime listener of this show. Uh, weekly, we complain about proper masking. We sure do. Um, so what I like to do is like what we talked about with The Lighthouse or some movies that are in 239, CinemaScope. Um, those movies I try to see at venues like Roy Thompson Hall or um, Princess of Wales or Elgin and Winter Garden because you know TIFF will build properly masked screens for those venues. And then anything that's in like a 185 aspect ratio, I don't mind seeing at somewhere like a Scotiabank. I know I have to make exceptions because I don't get an un unlimited amount of tickets, especially this year. I'm so used to having that 20 ticket allotment that you still have. Right. Um, so I need to kind of slash my public showings in half. Um, but that's okay. I think near the end of the festival, I always started getting drained anyway. And, um, so anyways, dude, um, yeah, other than that, use Tiffer. If you guys are going buy a package, uh, hit up Eric or I, and we'll give you as much advice as you, as you guys want for scheduling or what theaters to go to, what screenings you we pay go by to. the second though. Try to avoid big premieres unless it's something you like if it's a premium, I would just say let the people fight it out and go to those. Uh, you can always go to the second or third showings of things. Like Especially it, during like, the second half of the festival when you get a lot of international press leaving. There's more room to kind and of And the really buzz has died down yeah, too, right? Yeah. Everyone who was really like obsessed with it tried to go to those first screenings. And like I don't mind waiting until that last weekend to play catch up. Like, yeah. There were a couple Roma we saw the very last weekend of the festival. There's like some things that I'm like, you know what? Like, oh, oh, and you're getting a call from Oakville. Sorry, I don't know who that is, but um, special guest from Oakville. <laughs> uh, anyways, that threw me off. But yeah, hit us up. We love TIFF. We're glad to answer any questions you guys have. And we'll be um, updating you guys throughout the summer with every announcement. We'll be doing these TIFF talk podcasts. Um, depending on the size of them i think moving forward for the rest of the summer with the different announcements we'll uh loop those into the normal podcast before, unless we do a uh, we'll do a big preview show which we'll be mostly talking about similar shit that we talked about today but as the lineup as a whole and probably when we have our schedules um more nailed down uh although those tend to change daily as well so yeah anyways thank you guys for listening uh we appreciate it two hours of tiff talk <laughs> 
Um, if you guys like this, uh, this is, you'll get a double dose of the Untitled Movie Podcast this week. Um, we uh, check out the 40th draft, which will also be going up uh, this week, where Eric and I are going to be going over our more regular run of show. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, God, there's a metric ton of trailers we got to talk about because Comic-Con was this past weekend. And with the TIFF lineup coming out, I feel like some studios are dropping some of the trailers for their stuff. Someone is texting me now. Yep. Um, as well as uh, I gotta mute that. Uh, as well as the big uh, Marvel Studios panel that happened at Hall H on Saturday at Comic Con. So Marvel uh, uh, revealed their entire Phase Four slate. So Eric and I will go uh, deep into that as well as well as uh, what deals you guys can get at home and uh, and all, all the usual. Usual things. Uh, also, we do another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews, which you guys should go check out. Our most recent re- reviews, we reviewed The Lion King and The Farewell, and we'll have a review for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well this week. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we're super psyched for TIFF. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck, and you can find more of my work around the internets, uh, mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and here on these two podcasts. Uh, and you can uh, follow me on all of the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. Uh, I'm usually uh, hanging out around Twitter and Letterboxd. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at em6211. Until next time. Tiff Talk. Tiff Talk. 2019. 2019.